When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Factual Data Creation Facility Production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 203, which I'm calling Waiting for the Vision Amateur. Yes, the highly anticipated Apple Vision Pro has been made available in... I really don't care. It's not for me anyway. You know, I'm old enough to appreciate things in real life, or IRL, as the cool kids refer to it. Yes. Yes. No. No. Huh? Well, what do you say we start this episode? Okay. Before I start, I have a correction from last week's episode. I stated that I had watched the Tom Cruise-led Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning movie on the Peacock streaming service. I actually consumed that content on Paramount Plus streaming service. Too many streaming services for this old fart mind to keep up with. Tech news. Apple's Vision Pro was released to the public on February 2nd, though many influencers already were given units to review and dropped those reviews on January 31st. I must admit that I haven't watched many of them yet, as I'm really not interested in this product, at least not this generation of it. I did manage to watch a short video from, I think it was Joanna Stern, though. Her video confirms the rumor that the virtual keyboard has to be used with one finger at a time and doesn't function at all like a physical keyboard. I'm sure Apple will have this fixed soon enough. Or will they? Well, I think it would be in the company's best interest to do so. The video's host complained about this and said the best way she found to use these goggles for computing anyway was in parallel with her MacBook Pro, where she had access to a physical keyboard while the computer's display was virtually in front of her. I don't see the point of this. Why not just use your computer in that case? Maybe it's just my old fart lack of understanding of modern technology. CNBC has an article that quotes Apple CEO Tim Cook as teasing an announcement concerning AI later this year during a recent interview. I'd guess that would be during the company's annual Worldwide Developers Conference. It usually takes place in June. Mr. Cook was quoted as saying, Let me just say, I think there's a huge opportunity for Apple with Gen AI and AI without getting into more detail. Unquote. 
This tease goes along with reports that Apple has been quietly buying up artificial intelligence companies lately at a high rate. Let's hope they do something to enable their digital assistant Siri to be competitive with the competition. Well, that and maybe do something with HomeKit, Apple's sorry excuse of a home automation system. If you're using, well, I should say still using Fitbit, Metro.com is reporting that the Charge 5 devices are experiencing problems with a firmware update that was released this past December, with some users saying devices are bricked. Oh, no! This all has to do with the battery draining within hours. Once the battery is depleted, the Charge 5 will no longer accept a charge. What? In a statement to the BBC, a Google spokesperson denied any issues were related to the update. Before the update, which was number 194.91, users could expect at least five days of battery life. Unfortunately, I believe Google plans on retiring the Fitbit brand. That is, after absorbing all of its features into the company's Pixel devices. I used Fitbit products when they first were introduced. Fitbit was my first fitness band, and the company basically created the market for these types of devices. Google purchased Fitbit back in 2019 for $2.1 billion. According to GeekWire.com, there's a new political deepfake detector in town. This one, a not-for-profit, supposedly non-partisan tool called Truth Media. But hey, what's in the name? We'll just have to see how non-partisan it actually is. The money for Truth Media is coming from Garrett Camp, the Canadian co-founder of Uber, the ride-sharing service known for underpaying their drivers and a host of other dirty tricks in regards to local regulations. Mr. Camp seems to keep his politics to himself, which I admire. But who really knows what the real intent of Truth Media will be? If you deducted that I'm sort of a skeptic, well, I wouldn't disagree. You can blame it on life experience. We have more big and not-so-big tech industry layoffs this week as, like Podcasting Incorporated, the tech industry shrinks and consolidates. Mostly shrinking at this point. First up, Wattpad, a Canadian outfit that calls itself a storytelling platform. Well, they laid off 30 employees, some 15% of the company's workforce. Wattpad is basically a website for reading and publishing original written fiction. It's also a place for connecting with readers and fellow writers. I think I played around with Wattpad back in what is fondly recalled as The Day. I must not have been too impressed with it because I never published anything on the platform. It appears Wattpad's largest market is in Asia. Next, we have the social media platform Discord, which is very popular with the youngsters and was the place a young airman of the Massachusetts Air National Guard decided to post copies of highly classified documents on, seemingly for clout. Well, Discord laid off 160 workers from its San Francisco headquarters last week. Many of the layoffees were software engineers and data scientists. The CEO is blaming the now-standard overhiring during the pandemic China. excuse that companies like Google have used in the past. Zoom Video Communications has cut 150 jobs, which is about 2% of its workforce, but added that they will be hiring people to work on artificial intelligence probably in order to be able to lay off even more employees in the future. <laughs> Zoom, the easy-to-use security hold coded in mainland China video conferencing software, came to prominence during the COVID-19 lockdowns China. and since the end of that period has struggled to maintain growth. 
Because of the previously mentioned security problems, the big companies who would be the ones willing to spend large amounts of money in order to use Zoom have shied away from it. In previous episodes, I've pointed out that the security problems with Zoom and the company's ties, well, at least the willingness to obey the Communist Party of China. Heck, at one point, most of Zoom's employees and all of their servers were located in China. I've never used Zoom. I prefer Apple's FaceTime and Google's Meet for my personal video communications and Microsoft's Teams for official business. Well, we'll just have to see how many tech layoffs happen next week. Learn the code. Indeed. TheInquirer.com has the following headline. Study reveals social media population surpasses 5 billion globally. Isn't that great? No. This marks a 5.6% increase from last year. This increase in the use of social media has no end in sight, according to the article, which, in my opinion, will spur the continued degradation of society, both civil and uncivil. Facebook still claims the most users with some 2.19 billion active accounts. Wow. With Instagram coming in second with 1.65 billion accounts. Communist TikTok is third with 1.56 billion active users. I've given up on social media, and I recommend that you do also for your sanity. And speaking of the talk that ticks, Futurism.com brings us the following headline. TikTok's owner sees that it missed the boat on AI. From the article, Mr. Lung Lubo, the founder of TikTok's parent company ByteDance, told employees in a company-wide meeting attended by workers from all over the world that they should have been paying more attention to AI as it grew into the giant disruptor it is now. As the company explained in posts on WeChat, a messaging app it owns similar to WhatsApp or Telegram, unquote. Well, WeChat really can't be compared to those messaging apps. Maybe at its beginning you could. WeChat is a so-called super app where one can accomplish whatever you want to accomplish on the internet, like pay bills, hail taxis, etc., without ever leaving the app. This is what Elon Musk intends to transform his X app into. Continuing with the article, because they missed the boat, the company is now risking mediocrity. The owner warned, unquote, I take this as Mr. Leung being upset that his CPC-controlled company got caught trying to rip off ChatGPT for their own uses, as the article goes on to explain. Quote, In December, The Verge revealed that ByteDance had secretly been using OpenAI software to build its own large language model, and although it argued that the usage was justified, OpenAI suspended the company's account pending investigation all the same. Unquote. Hey, anyway, the damage has been done as ByteDance released its Coase AI platform using the stolen code from OpenAI ChatGPT. The moral here is if you're using any ByteDance AI products, just be aware that the technology behind it was stolen. I wish Mr. Lung and his government-controlled company no luck for all of its future endeavors, considering the damage TikTok has already done to countless people from around the world. Yes. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tech I'm using, or more like tech I'm hopefully going to acquire in the near future. Last week, the annual NAM Expo was held. NAM, which is spelled N-A-M-M, stands for National Association of Music Merchants. Like the name reflects, most of the items announced during this show was geared towards the music industry, but there are some things that have dual uses for both podcasting and music. We saw the introductions of new audio and streaming interfaces from Mackie, which struck me as odd because the company was just acquired by Rode, who already has interface models of that category and for a slightly better price, I might add. I guess these products were already in the pipeline and will be the last release with the Mackie label on them. What I think we'll see in the future is equipment for podcasting will support the Rode badge, while professional audio equipment geared towards live performances will bear the Mackie logo. That's what Mackie is most known for, while Rode, of course, is known mainly for podcasting equipment. I wasn't interested in Mackie's offerings anyway. I'm content with my Lewitt Connect 6 interface, which has cut down a big chunk of the time I spend on my podcast workflow and does everything I need it to, and at less than half the cost of what Rode and Mackie are offering. Yeah, it's not as fancy, but when it comes down to it, I really don't need those bells and whistles. The one thing that did catch my eye during NAM was the new Zoom Essential series of field recorders, specifically the H1 recorder. Currently, I have both the Zoom H1n and H4n field recorders, with the latter and more sophisticated and capable H4n never getting any use. The H4n features connections for two XLR microphones and a lav mic hookup, along with two built-in microphones. While much more powerful than the H1n, it's just too bulky and heavy to carry around. The H1n doesn't have any XLR connections, just a single lav mic connector and two built-in mics. What the H1n does have is portability. It's easy to use and carry around, and I have one with me constantly. In fact, I used the H1n during my trip down to George Washington's estate in Mount Vernon, Virginia last summer, and shared audio recorded with it on a previous episode of this podcast. The H4n would serve well as a backup audio interface in an emergency, so I'm not interested in the updated essential version of it, which is the new version. The updated signature version of the H1 has perked my interest, though, mainly because of its display. My current H1n and uh, H4n both have black and white LCD panels that would feel more at home in the 1990s. <laughs> the new models use color LCD panels, and from what I saw of them, which wasn't much, seem to have a better menu system. The design of the Essential series has been updated to a futuristic look, which kind of resembles my Lewitt Connect 6 interface. At $100, the new Essential H1 field recorder is almost an impulse buy for me. All of the Essential models are set to be released in February, and I'll be purchasing the updated H1 as soon as it's listed on Amazon. I plan on keeping the old H1N in my car, so I'll have access to a recorder no matter where I find myself. Yes! The accessories I have for my current H1N will work with the new version, except for the case, so I guess I'll have to be buying a new one of those. 
Oh, I forgot to mention that all the field recorders in the Essential line, which are the H1, H4, and H6, feature 32-bit float recording. Now, don't expect me to explain what that is here, because I don't know and really don't care. All I do know about this 32-bit float is that it's impossible to clip your audio, and there's no need to adjust recording levels, though the H4 and H6 still allow you to do so. I plan to do some Foley work with the Essential H1, so this feature will come in handy. As far as the tech I actually have on hand and am already using, I must say I'm enjoying my Mac Mini setup. The MacBook Air? Not so much. Besides web browsing and checking email, which I primarily use my phone and iPad for, my main use for all the computing power I have at my disposal is word processing. I just can't get as much done on the MacBook Air as I can on the Mac Mini, at least in one sitting. The reasons for this are I find it so much easier to type on my Logitech mechanical keyboard than on the so-called Magic Keyboard, which my MacBook is equipped with. And I prefer the LG display I purchased for the Mini rather than the much-vaunted Apple display on the Air. I guess when I type, I type hard, so key travel is important to me. The scissor switch-based Magic Keyboard, while an improvement over the old butterfly switch-based keyboards I was using on my old MacBooks, just don't have the same key travel as mechanical keyboards do. My fingers become fatigued a lot easier and faster while using the MacBook Air. The display on the Air fatigues my eyes after about 30 minutes of use, no matter how I adjust it. I can spend hours using the LG display before having to take a break. And I also like using the ExtraFi mouse I was gifted for Christmas over the Apple Magic Mouse, especially while editing documents and audio files. Besides being lighter in weight and cooler looking than the Apple's version of a mouse, I find that I don't have to move it as much to get where I want to go with my edits. The only thing the Magic Mouse does better is scrolling, which I've described in a previous episode. All my other tech is humming along quite nicely, I must say, and that's more than I can say about tech I've used in the past. Distant and not so distant. Entertainment news. As I've stated before, Netflix is the undisputed king of streaming services. An article from Inc.com, that's INC.com, runs down how Netflix did it and how impressive it all is. Netflix started off by being a company that, for a monthly sum, let you pick out what movies you wanted to watch and then send them to you on DVDs. Hey, remember those things? No. No. Via the Postal Service. I was aware of Netflix way back when, but still preferred renting my physical media from companies like Blockbuster and later Redbox, if anybody remembers them. No. What did I know? I remember the tech press being enamored with Netflix back in those days. Well, way back in the year 2007, Netflix decided to launch its streaming service. Instead of sending DVDs back and forth in the post, you can now just watch your favorite selections via the Internet. It was magic. Imagine that. Back then, Netflix just licensed titles from the major and minor movie studios, so everything you wanted was right there, all in one place. My son bought me a Roku streaming device one Christmas around that time, and it changed the way I consumed media. Netflix was the first streaming service I subscribed to. Over the years, those studios that would license their titles to Netflix decided to pull back their content and create their own services. That has resulted in the streaming mess we have now. To counter this, Netflix was forced to fund and create its own content, which they did quite successfully, which had the effect of steadily rising subscription prices on the consumer. 
According to the article, the next frontier or shift for Netflix is to get people to pay for a service tier that also has advertisements. Unfortunately, the ad-addled part of Netflix is the fastest growing and most profitable part of its business. The strategy for Netflix going forward appears to be making the non-ad tiers less attractive by raising prices and cutting options in order to get more customers onto the ad-supported tier. The author of the article thinks eventually there will be only three subscription tiers, two ad-supported and but one non-ad-supported. Basic and high-quality ad-supported tiers and one non-ad-supported premium tier. Well, I've dumped Netflix before and I'll do it again if the ad-free tier becomes too expensive. The only way I'd go for an ad-supported tier is if the myriad of streaming content services would collapse and the studios would start licensing their content to Netflix once again. And I could still cancel even after that occurred. Hulu begins password sharing crackdown. What happens if you're caught is the headline from OG tech site ZDNet. After Netflix's successful password sharing crackdown of last year, Disney decided to follow suit. First with Disney Plus, and now that they've completely taken over Hulu, it's that streaming service's turn. I subscribe to Hulu currently, and I've been a happy subscriber for many years now. I just hope Disney doesn't ruin Hulu like the company has ruined everything else it has taken over lately, like Lucasfilm, Pixar, and many others. Anyway, I received an email from Hulu last week advising me of a change to their terms of service. Now, I get many emails of this type from companies, so I just deleted the email without bothering to even read it, as I do all others of this type. Reading the ZDNet article, I found out that this change in service terms was dedicated towards password sharing. Now, I have to admit, years ago, I shared my Hulu password with my youngest daughter, who used it sparingly, and she hasn't done so for a long time now. If Hulu catches you sharing your password, and I think geofencing is probably the method they use, the company can terminate your account with them. Well, what if you're on vacation somewhere decide to fire up Hulu on your tablet? Well, Hulu requires you to register your device with them, so I think you should be okay. At least I hope you'll be okay. Unlike Netflix, I wasn't aware of any rampant password sharing on Hulu. Well, perhaps tough times call for tough measures these days. My lovely wife and I watched the movie Killers of the Flower Moon on Apple TV Plus over the last couple of weeks. That's right, you heard that right. The last couple of weeks. The movie is over three hours long, so we had to break it down into multiple sittings. Not only was the length of the movie a factor in this, but it kind of just drags on and on and on with absolutely no payoff. The acting was stale, with Leonardo DiCaprio seemingly doing his impression of co-star Robert De Niro for the whole movie, while sporting badly done Southern, Western, or Southwestern, I was unable to tell, United States accents. Like the Irishman before it, I'd recommend a hard pass of this latest Martin Scorsese epic. At least Masters of the Air has redeemed Apple TV Plus for, for me anyway, with great acting and plenty of action scenes. I watched the third episode last night, and I can't wait for the next one. I also started watching the narco follow-up Griselda miniseries on Netflix, which, three episodes in, it's just all right. All the men in this series are portrayed as egotistical idiots whose only use seems to be the hard stuff, like killing of rivals. Hey, wait a minute. That might be factual. <laughs>
The main problem I have with this series is that I'm afraid of getting lung cancer because of the amount of cigarette smoking that is shown. Seems like every character smokes and smokes constantly. You know, they could have toned that down a bit. You know, I lived through that era, and while smoking was a big thing, I don't remember people smoking that much. Then again, my late father smoked four packs of lung-blowing Viceroy cigarettes per day, and every photo we have of him includes a cigarette between the fingers of one of his hands. But he was the exception. At least I think he was. Anyway, I'm looking forward to movies and series that are due to be released on Netflix in the coming months. Podcast News My constant search for the perfect podcast listening app continues. In a previous episode, I reported that the listening app Castro looked as if it were shutting down. Well, Castro was rescued at the last minute by Bluck Apps, an app studio based here in Brooklyn, New York, which develops Android apps. I decided to give Castro the old college try and downloaded the iOS version of the app early last week. Well, I deleted Castro about 20 minutes after downloading it. The user interface was fine, but my problem came when I tried to subscribe to podcasts. I don't know what podcast index, if any, the app uses, but I couldn't find any of the shows I regularly listen to. Couldn't even find my own podcast using the app search feature. What? Perhaps the new owners bought Castro in order to absorb it into the company's own Aurelian app, which looks to be exclusive to the Android mobile operating system. Castro in its present form is unusable unless you import RSS feeds from a different app. Right now, my go-to podcast listening app is, again, Castomatic. It doesn't have all the advanced features of the podcasting 2.0 standard, but has the ones I mainly use, particularly the option to use the podcast index instead of the Apple podcast index, which is prone to canceling podcasts if the not-so-silent minority complain loudly enough. We'll have to see how Castomatic progresses as time goes on. If you've been a long-time listener to the OFNT podcast, you might remember that I started my podcast 2.0-enabled app journey with Castomatic, but had gotten tired of software bugs rearing their ugly heads at the most inopportune times, mainly while driving. I enjoyed Podcast Guru, but I can't figure out how to do some basic things like adding a podcast to a playlist using it. I just wish some developer would make a clone of Pocket Cast, but Podcast 2.0 compliant, and not try to squeeze every penny they can in order to use those features. If you know of such a podcast listening app, well, drop me a line at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com, if you will. In yet another case of a prediction I made that hasn't come through, the big news within the world of podcasting last week was Joe Rogan deciding to stay exclusive to Spotify instead of taking the Joe Rogan experience back to being independent. Spotify gave old Joe 250 million reasons to make that decision, as in dollars. I believe Spotify gave Joe 100 million reasons last time, so he got quite the raise. I had predicted that Rogan would take his show back to the humble RSS feed after his contract with Spotify was finished this year. But again, I was wrong. Yes. I really have to stop predicting these things. Yes. This must explain why Spotify has been cutting exclusive loose recently and also liquidating the podcast production studios they had bought for a lot of money back when the money was flowing nonstop towards Podcasting Incorporated. That $250 million has to come from somewhere, I guess. I don't blame old Joe Rogan for staying put. Spotify leaves him alone, and besides the large amount of money he got, he doesn't have to worry about marketing and other business tasks. Spotify will take care of all those for him. 
If the Joe Rogan Experience show starts declining over the new contract lock-in period, you can bet Spotify will drop the show like a bad habit as soon as the company can. That's just the name of the game. Boy, this was a difficult show to get through for some reason. Couldn't get my mouth to move correctly. Well, the music is playing on this rare sunny day here in the suburbs of New York City. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. And you know, you can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, do me a favor and get off my lawn. Well, at least you won't have to wear rain gear or lug around an umbrella while doing so this time. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.